Imagine yourself in a dark cave. When I say dark, I mean completely blackened out. No light, no shadows, not even a flicker of something luminous like a candle or a cell phone. Nothing bright, fluorescent, lucent, or glowing. Think of midnight without any moon or stars. I was once in a place like that with a group of people touring some natural wonders far beneath the surface of the earth. When our tour guide turned out the lights, an eerie feeling crept over me. That's when I thought of planet Earth, darkened by sin, and Jesus who declared, I am the light of the world. The Bible says in him was life, and the life was the light of men. I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. Hello and welcome to this Friday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian, thanks for stopping by. Well, if you wanna walk in the light today but don't know how, you've come to the right place in just a few moments. Ron takes a hard look at this hard saying of Jesus, one that will help you learn to follow the light and walk in it continually. Stay with us or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From his teaching series called Why Jesus? Seven Reasons He is Still the One and Only. Here's Ron now with part two of his Something Good radio message, The Light of the World. John the Apostle says, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. John talks about walking, walking in the light. What does he mean to walk in the light? Well, maybe an illustration from your grade school science class would help. Are you smarter than a fifth grader this morning? Do you remember something known as uh, photosynthesis that you learned in science class? I had to look it up again, but here's what I learned a second time. I feel smarter than a fifth grader this morning. Photosynthesis is the process plants use to change carbon dioxide and water into sugar using sunlight. Sunlight is the ultimate source of energy that drives the metabolic processes in plants. Practically speaking, if you're like me and you put a plant in the ground, in the shade, when it needs sunlight and it dies, now, now you understand the, ne you know, the negative side of photosynthesis, all right? A plant that needs sunlight, it draws its energy and its life source from the sunlight. And I think it's amazing how God, when He created the world, and the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. You'll learn something about God if you just observe nature. And in this photosynthesis process where plants will only live if, if they draw energy and life from the source of the sunlight, there's a spiritual principle in that. I call it spiritual photosynthesis, <laughs> all right? We, we need to draw our ultimate source and life and energy from the sunlight, S-O-N, the sunlight. And, and that's how we, we walk 
in the light as He is in the light. We walk in the truth as He is in the truth, is another way of saying it. Now, uh, John's little postcard that he wrote here called First John, the theme of it is fellowship. Uh, it's written to believers in Jesus Christ. Uh, twice in those verses that I just read, 1 John 1, verses 6 and 7, you'll see the word fellowship. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Do you understand the important difference between fellowship and relationship? If not, just think about your marriage relationship. Catherine and I are married. We're in a marriage relationship. Uh, we have legal proof of that. We have a marriage license. Uh, I have a ring on my finger. We, we have a photo album of our wedding day. We had all this evidence and all these witnesses to say that we are in relationship with one another, and we've been in relationship with one another for 21 years. But there are times over those 21 years we have not been in fellowship with one another. Do I have a witness this morning? from any husband, from any wife, who have experienced broken fellowship in their relationship with their spouse. Now, let me build the bridge here to your relationship with God. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're saved. You have a relationship with God. You are a child of God by faith in Jesus. That can never change. It can never be taken away from you. But there are times that we're not in fellowship with God. We're just not tracking with Him. He's always tracked, you know, and what breaks our fellowship? Remember that dark place in your heart that you go to once in a while? It's called sin. And just because you became a, a follower of Jesus Christ, it didn't eradicate the sin nature. It just put the, uh, another nature in you, the, the spirit of life and the Holy Spirit. And now you've got the old nature that wants to pull you this direction and the new nature that wants to pull you this direction. And you've got a choice to make every day, every moment of the day. That's what it means to walk in the Spirit and to walk in the light. But if we choose disobedience rather than obedience at that very moment, guess what? It breaks our fellowship with God. And John would tell us, you're no longer walking in the light. You're walking in darkness. If we say we have fellowship with God, but we're walking in darkness, we, we lie and we don't speak the truth. Now, a little bit later, John gives us the way to restore that fellowship. I'm not talking about restoring your relationship with God. You can't lose that. You can't lose a relationship where he and he alone is reaching down from heaven and has you in the grip of grace. He's not letting go. But sometimes he's got a tiger on the other end of that tail that won't walk in obedience to him. And when the Holy Spirit brings it to your attention or to my attention that we're out of fellowship with the Father, John, a few verses later, says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so I always encourage myself and others, keep short accounts with God. If there's something you do at 9 o'clock in the morning where you've stepped out of fellowship, out of the light, you, you've chosen to disobey the Lord in some way, don't wait until 9 o'clock at night to apply 1 John 1, 9. Otherwise, you've lived your, your whole day out of fellowship and out of communication with the Lord. Keep short accounts with God. Restore that fellowship. 
Now, here's what I've learned over the years as a pastor. <laughs> you have two believers who are married to each other, and they're having marriage problems. There's conflict in the relationship. Now, not all conflict is unhealthy, but this particular conflict spirals into something that is really, really unhealthy. And you've got two believers who just can't get along together, and they're heading to divorce court. Here's what I know is true. Somebody is out of fellowship with the Lord. Not every evidence of conflict is evidence, of, you know, because some conflict is healthy. You might just have an honest disagreement. But when it spirals into something that is really, really bad, somebody is walking in darkness and not in the light if they claim to be a follower of Jesus. You follow me there? Same is true in churches. Christian businesses, I mean, whatever organization might claim to be a Christian organization. I always say the most dangerous person in the church is a church leader, starting with a pastor, who's not in fellowship with the Lord, who's, who's going to that place in his or her heart where it's a little bit dark and not keeping short accounts with God. In time, that, that'll be a bad place. So, we follow the light. The Bible tells us to walk in the light. Ephesians tells us, take no part in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. Don't go there. It won't bear the fruit that God wants to bear in your life or in my life. And then finally, uh, we're to reflect the light. Reflect the light. By way of illustration, I want you to think of the sun and the moon. And I want you to go back to that uh, grade school science class. Are you smarter than a fifth grader this morning? You remember the relationship between the moon and the sun? Everybody knows the moon has no inherent light. But at nighttime, we see the, the brightness, especially of a full moon. It's not because the moon has a light. The moon is reflecting the light, which is the sun. Again, the heavens declare the glory of God. If you just look around nature, you, you might find a spiritual principle or true that's reflected in the Scriptures. And this is true of you and me. We are not the light, but we're meant to reflect the light. Dr. Ron Jones will be right back with the second half of today's message, The Light of the World. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org anytime to find out more about the ministry and to ask our ministry team to pray for you or maybe order selected resources from our online store. Some of life's greatest adventures take place on a road trip. Nothing is more enjoyable than traveling the open highway with the windows rolled down and the music turned up. Each town, each exit, an experience all its own. Hello friend, I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio, and today I'm inviting you to take a road trip with me. You see, I'm convinced that reading the Bible is the greatest literary adventure you can ever take. But with 66 books, two testaments, and more than 600,000 words, it can be a daunting journey to attempt. That's why I wrote my two-volume book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, where I give you a bird's-eye view of God's Word so you can clearly see how it all fits together. All 66 books of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. So pack your bags and join me on the ultimate road trip through the Bible. You'll be glad you did. Here's Brian with details. 
The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1 and 2, can be yours today by request for your gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of Something Good. When you order the print versions, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The online library includes electronic versions of the book, plus video sermons, audio messages, and downloadable sermon notes on all 66 books of the Bible. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to request the two-volume set and to gain immediate access to the Route 66 Digital Library. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Pastor Ron, not only did you break this project up into two volumes, but you created what you call eight different road trips, five in the Old Testament and three in the New. Help our listeners understand the motivation behind that literary structure. You know, Brian, categorizing the various books of the Bible into eight separate groups is nothing new. Uh, They include the books of the law, the Old Testament historical books, uh, the wisdom books, the major prophets, the minor prophets, Then we're into the Gospels and the early church, the Pauline epistles, and we finish up with the general epistles in Revelation. But when I first decided to compare the reading of God's Word to a travel adventure, well, it took me almost no time to come up with the phrase road trip to identify these eight sections of Scripture. Uh, What I believe the reader will begin to see a little more clearly is that the books of the law, for example, point to the person and work of Jesus Christ as much as the Gospels do. That's because the Bible is one story with one main character. His name is Jesus, and he is the Christ. My hope is that by experiencing the 66 books of the Bible as eight separate road trips, uh, this overarching theme will be easier to recognize and understand. Such a great idea, Pastor Ron. We're so glad you decided to share this important book with us. You can get your copy today by going to somethinggoodradio.org. Both volumes of this great resource are yours for a gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of Something Good. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. Now let's get back to Ron for the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, The Light of the World. This is what John in his uh, opening chapter to his gospel was talking about when he was referring to John the Baptizer. Remember John the Baptist? And in verse 6 of of John chapter 1, it says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John, not the John of the gospel, but John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. You get the relationship there? Humanly speaking, John and Jesus, John the Baptist and Jesus, were, were earthly cousins. But, but John was quick to say, I'm not the light. I, I'm just here to bear witness to the light, to reflect the light. Now, interestingly enough, if you follow this light metaphor throughout John's gospel, Jesus says in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. In John chapter 9, he says this. Listen to this carefully. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Hmm. Well, wait a minute. What do you mean as long as you're in the world, you are the light of the world? 
Does that mean when He left and ascended to the Father that the light of the world is no longer here? Uh, not exactly. All right, scroll through your understanding of New Testament teaching and the teachings of Jesus. Land in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, and here's what Jesus said to His disciples. The one who said, I am the light of the world, said to His disciples, you are the light of the world. Now, you know, stick that feather in your cap for a moment. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. Do you know that you have a responsibility? Remember the old song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine? That's the idea here. And that's, that's our response today. If we don't walk out of this place understanding the dark, dark, spiritually blackened world that we live in, and shine our little light as a reflection of Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world that lives in us. If we don't do that in a thousand, ten thousand different ways, then we just, we just leave this whole world in darkness. Because Jesus said He's the light of the world only as long as He's in the world. But then He left us in the world, right? To be a thousand points of light. It's interesting that uh, the founders of our country, even the colonists that came to these United States even before 1776, picked up on this idea. They brought their Christian faith and their Judeo-Christian values with them. A Puritan preacher named John Winthrop in 1630 said to the people in New England that their little colony would become a city on a hill watched by the world. Do you remember these words? For we must consider that we shall be as a city upon a hill. The eyes of all people are upon us. So that if we shall deal falsely with our God in this work we have undertaken, we shall be made a story and a byword throughout the world. Those are haunting words hundreds of years later because there's a part of me that sees how Christianity is maligned in our culture today, and I wonder if there's a power outage going on in the body of Christ, to where Christ and His church are, are becoming a story and a, and a byword throughout the world. The only way for that not to happen is for you and me to let my little light shine and your little light shine. God, God has kept you on this earth, and He's kept me here, and He's put each of us in some sphere of influence where we as followers of Jesus Christ can be leaders in our homes, in our marriages, in our neighborhoods, in our place of work, in, in some places in culture where it's really, really dark. Even, even the world gets a little nervous to go into those places. But God has put you there to follow Him, to walk intimately with Him in the light, and to reflect the light, to let it shine. Jesus said a light is not meant to be put under a bushel. I mean, how silly is that? Why, why would you do that? A city set upon a hill for, for, the, for the travelers that are weary and are looking for a place of rest, that city on the hill is... It's a place of hope. It's just that little light bulb there. Oh, let's go that direction. 
May this church always be a lighthouse in this community. This church started 35 years ago. And the, the lights shine brightly in this place. And like a lot of churches over the years, sometimes it dims and then it's brighter and sometimes it dims. Listen, the brightest days are ahead. As long as we follow the light and stay close to Him. As long as we do our individual parts to walk in the light, make sure that when we come to this place and we interact with people, you know, we're in fellowship with the Lord. Oh, we may have some disagreements. We always do. That's, that's fine. But as long as we're in fellowship with the Lord, it's interesting. Here's what John says. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with God. No, he didn't say that. He says we have fellowship with one another. You have a responsibility to play in that. And I have a responsibility to play in that, to walk in the light. And then we collectively have a responsibility and individually in our places of influence to reflect the light. Say it with me. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I hope you mean that this morning. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for Jesus who is the light of the world. Father, there are some here in this place who in an honest moment would admit, yeah, there's a dark, dark place in my heart. And I go there more often than I want to go. But I need the light of Jesus Christ in my life today. You're always at work, Father. You're always at work shining light in dark places, uh, inviting people to step into the light, out of darkness and into the light so that we're no longer children of darkness, but children of light. Thanks so much for being with us for today's Something Good Radio message, The Light of the World, and Dr. Ron Jones joins me in the studio. Ron, one of the things I loved about today's message was when you were talking about the church sharing the light it has found in Jesus Christ. It got me to thinking, do you think the church today is no longer shining the light as brightly as it once did? Or do you think the world is simply rejecting the light? You know, Brian, for years now, I've truly felt like it's a combination of both things. And really, it's a bit of a vicious cycle. Regardless of how the steady moral decline in America started, uh, whether the church has grown more silent or the world has grown more deaf, uh, the two things begin to play off one another. And if Christians shine their light and it gets continually rejected by those around them, well, the people of God may grow more reluctant to share that light with those who so emphatically choose darkness. On the other hand, if the world sees that Christians are no longer shining their light, they may begin to think that Christians aren't really all that different from them, and they may even begin to think of them as hypocrites, which can make them even more likely to reject or criticize the Christian faith. But in the end, the responsibility falls to us as Christians, uh, not to save anyone, because we can't possibly do that. Uh, that's, that's the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit's work. But we're to do our best in the power of the Holy Spirit to point others to the light of Jesus Christ. And I'll close with this. Jesus was continually rejected. Some followed him, some didn't, and some of the ones who didn't were highly critical of him. But he never stopped shining his light, and neither should we. Wise words from Dr. Ron Jones for all of us who've been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. 
Ron, as we wrap things up here on this edition of Something Good Radio, tell us where you're headed next time as you continue your teaching series, Why Jesus? Seven Reasons He is Still the One and Only. Sure thing, Brian. You know, in this current series, Why Jesus? Seven Reasons He is Still the One and Only. I'm covering the seven I Am statements made by Jesus in the Gospel of John. And we've talked about Christ being the bread of life and the light of the world. And now we move ahead to the third I Am statement. I am the door of the sheep. Now, it's not all that flattering to be compared to sheep. Uh, They are not a very bright species. Uh, They are directionless. They are prone to wander around aimlessly. But the truth is, because of sin and its effect on us, we are a lot like that in terms of our spirituality. And that's why we need a loving shepherd to lead us and to give us direction. In light of this being a critical time in our nation's history, I think it's as important as it has ever been, perhaps even more so, to seek God for clear direction in our lives. And that's where we're headed tomorrow. And I hope you'll join us. That's Monday when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, The Door of the Sheep. Join us then for Something Good, for Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio. I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening.